10 a.m., which means it's time for Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome in. Good morning, Utah Car Sense. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru. I'm Austin Horton here uh, with you. Eric Jensen producing for us today. And joining me today is Roger Parkin, sales manager of Mark Miller Subaru Southtown. Roger, it's good to have you back on the show. How has uh, the last couple of weeks treated you? You know, it's been pretty, been pretty incredible. There we go. Got rid of the feedback. Um, may certainly far exceed our Roger there, uh, Eric. See if we can uh, figure something out to try and get him uh, into my ears. Uh, we, as always, you can call and be part of the show at 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE is our phone number. Let's try again. Roger, you there? I'm here. Can you there hear you go. me? Yeah, you got me. I got you. We're good. Thank you. Fantastic. So how have no, you, uh, the last two weeks been for you? To answer your question, the last two weeks of May was awesome. Far exceeded our expectations. What about uh, oh, at, at Mark Miller Subaru you, you're speaking yeah. of? Good, 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 good. What, so, and we do need to talk numbers uh, about uh, the auto industry as a whole, but you guys were uh, doing good business in May, it sounds like. Yeah, surprisingly, we actually exceeded last May by uh, 25, 30 cars, which is wow. totally unexpected. Why do you well, think that is? So, why do you think it happened that way? Why do you think you, you exceeded last May during such strange times to be reporting such numbers? Well, I think. It, Right now, I think we can all agree it's a great time to buy a car with a 0% interest out there. Um, as we get further into the summer, the, the supply is dwindling. So the, the selection of cars now is better now than it's going to be for the next 60 days. Because all the factories have been shut down. They're just finally getting back into production, which will give us about a two- to three-week lag time before the cars start hitting the lot. So... You know, as as we go into into the summer, it's going to be less selection, but the specials zero percent still there at least through uh, you know, end of June. So we expect it to. Hopefully, it's going to continue on. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll see. You, you can't really uh, gamble on anything this year. You kind of have to just take what you know for sure and, and go from there. Because as we see uh, the the numbers that were projected. Some missed those numbers. Some did better than the numbers that were projected. The industry overall was about what was projected, but not as bad as people thought it was going to be. And, and your reaction to that before the show began to me, or, or to me before the show began today, was that's because no one knows what this uh, situation is like. We've never been through it before. It, it's a wild guess. You know, it's just uh, you can kind of compare this to the recession in 08, but. This developed quicker and hit harder and seems to be recovering faster. So there's really nothing to compare it back to in recent times. I mean, you know, car sales was a big part of 1918 when the Spanish flu was prevalent. So, mm-hmm. Well, uh, we do have a poll question today. We'll talk more about the, the numbers, and we need your phone calls. So uh, the poll question, if you need something to call in and talk about, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. 2020 has been uh, the strangest year of my life, and I'm sure a lot of people's lives. 2020 is, has been just ridiculous. And so we're having a little fun with the poll question today. If the year 2020 were a car, 
What kind of car would it be and why? 855-340-ZONE. <laughs> so, That's a great question. Edsel is the first one that comes to my mind because it was such a flop. What is it? Edsel? Edsel. <laughs> yeah, or Le Mans. Le Mans is right there. Le Mans. What about Le Car? The, the Le Car, yeah. Le Car, Le Mans. Yeah. So let us know, 855-340-ZONE, because... It, it was it, it sound, if 2020, Roger, I don't know how you felt about it, but there was something about the number 2020 that it came in and we thought this is going to be a really cool, strong, amazing year. And so far it's been a year full of, to look at it positively, full of opportunity for growth and change. Well, I think 2020 signifies perfect vision. Right. And this year, anything but perfect vision. Hopefully, right, and, but hopefully what we get out of 2020 is perfect vision going forward. Uh-huh. See what I did there? Oh, yeah. we, we can hope. We can hope. You know, <laughs> I have high hopes. So let us know what kind of car would 2020 be and why, 855-340-ZONE. All right, let's dive a little deeper, Roger, uh, into the numbers for the uh, industry overall uh, in in the month of May. Edmonds had projected a, a fall of 33%, I believe, for the industry mm-hmm. overall. And it was right about there, around 32%, if this number in this article is accurate. Uh, but some, got, some, some, uh, some manufacturers, some uh, businesses were up and some were down. You reported that you here locally, you had a great month. Yeah, we were up. Subaru Nationally was down, what, uh, I want to say it was 14%, 16%. Uh, let's see, uh, 18%. Better yeah. what they thought, yeah. 18%. Yeah. But it was better by 12%. Than what it, you know, what they projected, right? So, you know, there's there's some not so much doom and gloom in the numbers as what we expected it to be. Well, and in April, uh, Subaru was down in the forty percent from the previous April, and so to, yeah, to go almost from, everybody was down that at least, <laughs> right? But to go from in the thirties or forties to now below twenty yeah. percent at eighteen or seventeen percent, that's a really good sign that uh, oh, things absolutely. are turning around. Absolutely. And you see that, uh, you see this turnaround in the lack of cars on the lot. When we started this in March, we had a hundred and five days supply of cars. Fast forward 75 days later, we're down to 50 days supply of cars. Oh, geez. So uh, the, the demand is still there, but the supply has slowed because of factories having Factory. to shutter. Yeah. Yep. And how long, I think we've talked about this before, but just to remind me and our audience, how long does it take to make uh, a Subaru vehicle. How long is it uh, in the process before it, from starting on piece one to where it's available on your lot? What's the span of hours or days that it takes to do that? Well, it's about six weeks. You have a car coming off the assembly line about every 53 seconds when they're running at full capacity. Mm-hmm. Wow. So there's many stops along that line. I mean, right. it starts obviously with, you know, the, the painting of the vehicle, you know, all of that, but it's about six weeks from start to finish till it gets here. And so if you're at a 50-day supply now, are we thinking within the next six weeks you might be doubled that, what you need to be, or how long well, do you anticipate you'll be down? I think we'll be down for the rest of the model year at least. Well, yeah, okay. I don't think we'll get back. We try and run it at, you try and run it at about a 60-day supply historically with car business. You know, that's kind of the comfort zone. So we're not too far off of that, but depends on which cars you're looking at. Yeah. 
I also have Jordan Rock here, one of our product specialists. He's been with us for 10 years since we bought the store. Yep. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank, good to have you. Jordan Rock, uh, uh, product specialist is what you're, what you're called. Uh, and uh, what are your thoughts as, as Roger talks about the projections there? And how has this been on your side of things in the industry? Uh, you know, it's been it's been better than I expected. Um, I definitely was anticipating a, a slower May, that's for certain. And I was surprised to see us beat last year's May. Um, but yeah, it's just been it's been interesting. It seems like people are, you know, they, they kind of have this desire to return to normal. So people get out, you know, and they want to spend their money or just you know, move on with life. And so this is kind of an escape, it almost feels like. Hmm. Um, I think as things open back up, uh, at least that's been my um, interpretation of how my customers customers are acting with this whole situation. How are, would you say the majority of your customers are first-time buyers or long-time Subaru people? Uh, a lot of the people that I've spoken to are um, repeat buyers yeah. or, you know, they're they're not... Typically, right now, I don't. I'm not seeing a ton of first-time buyers, but obviously, that's just one salesperson, so right. it's hard to hard to generalize to the rest of our customers that we're selling right now. He'd know better than I would. Well, and that's that's what I uh, I, I would anticipate your answer to be because this t- this time is really not one where I am. I'm not changing brands on things that I know and trust. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm not suddenly changing and saying, you know, I'm going to try a new, uh, I don't know, something, something dumb, like a new aftershave. No, I'm going to stick yeah. with what I know uh, through right. 2020. You're seeking out the familiar. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. But Roger, you were mentioning, and Jordan, I, I'd like you to answer as well to this, the 0% interest rate. That's that's pretty much across the board right now in the industry. And that makes it a good yeah. time to jump into a new vehicle. Well, it certainly makes it uh, less expensive time to jump in it when you're not paying, when you're using free money. You know, Subaru is going out to 63 months on the lines that we have it available on, and you have other companies that are doing it for 72. I don't think anyone's out at 84 yet. Hmm. Hopefully not. But uh, it certainly saves you probably 10, depending on the interest rates, 10, 20 bucks a month over the life of it. Hmm. Wow. I mean, rates are historically low anyway, but. Zero percent does not stink. Jordan, is that something? Uh, I had written down a question here. What's the biggest feature you think pushes people over the edge to finally, uh, you know, get into that new vehicle or lease a new vehicle? Is is it that the interest rate right now is that the big selling point? Uh, I mean, that's definitely been a very large part of it. Um, you know, Subarus historically have not had much in the way of incentive. And you usually don't get 0% on any model until it's near the end of its um, life cycle. So like the last model of a vehicle, they'll get 0%. It's usually limited to like 48-month term. So see 0% um, up to 63 months on basically every model. It's really unusual. Um, The only other time that I remember this happening is back, I think, really on the, the Subaru WRX STI when they changed that in 2008 to, cause I've been in the industry before Mark Miller bought this store. Hmm. Um, and they had a 0% on that model because it wasn't well received at the time, which is ironic because now it's like really sought after, but right. uh, yeah, this is unusual to see. Um, even in that 08 recession, they didn't really do from my memory. I mean, that was a while ago, but uh, they didn't do 0% on 
really on any other models except it was an end of model year run. So yeah, that's been my impression of it. It's one of those things that I, I, if I'm interpreting, interpreting you correctly, it's one of those things that they reserve for when they really need the industry yeah. to stay up as up as possible to get through yeah. things like you mentioned, Oh wait, the recession. And then where we are here in 2020, that, exactly. that's, that's 12 years between that 0% interest rate. And for good reason, if they're just throwing that out there all the time, it loses its its kind of a saver. And, and you and we've talked, Roger and, and Jeff and I and uh, George, of course, have talked uh, a lot before about the you you may I forget the term you use, but incentives are not usually something you see attached to Subaru, and they're yeah. something you see attached to almost every other line of vehicle. And, and sometimes it gets astronomical and. People might see, oh, I get $3,500 in incentive from fill-in-the-blank manufacturer. But what, what is the negative of an incentive uh, from your viewpoint, Jordan? Why should people be wary of trying to look for the best incentive in their uh, car buying purchases? Well, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that incentives on a new car devalue the used car market the moment they hit the new car market because – if you can buy a new car for $3,500 less than you could have last month, now anything that was, you know, that model, say a year older, is now devalued $3,500. Because if you can go buy a new one for, you know, less money, then obviously it's bringing the used car prices down. So people don't think of the impact on their ownership of the vehicle, right? Every time you every time you rebate or put cash on a vehicle, um, it's going to hurt the the used car market, which people don't look at depreciation as a cost of ownership very closely. Um, But I think that's just because we as human beings don't, we don't look into the future very well. We can't uh, seem to, you know, it's why retirement is a very uh, difficult thing to convince people to contribute to because they can't be down and down the road very well. (laughs) And that goes for all of us. I mean, I'm, I'm included in that, but uh, yeah, that's, that's something to be aware of when you're shopping for cars is the, 0% 0% is a good way to incentivize things without really devaluing the market much. He's Jordan Rock and uh, Roger Parkin here on Utah Car Sense, presented by Mark Miller Subaru. You can see Jordan and Roger at the Southtown store or pop into the Midtown store as well and visit the people there. Now, uh, two words, three syllables. Roger, uh, remind us what your reaction was when Jeff Miller introduced the idea of promise price. And then uh, give moment for Jordan to uh, to explain how he felt about it and where we've gone uh, from he, from there to now. I can't do that in two words for three syllables. <laughs> no, I meant I meant promise price was two words <laughs> for syllables. <laughs> I know what you meant. Like I have to give you that. For sixteen years prior to this, Mark had been wanting to do one price, and I told him no for sixteen years because I just didn't see at that point in time, a way that you could legitimately price the cars competitively and have any credibility. And we had an opportunity to go up and tour a couple of one price dealerships up in the Pacific Northwest. And one in particular, you know, watching the process, talking with their, their salespeople, their managers pushed me right over the edge. It was with a lot of trepidation. We went to one price. Hmm. Anytime you change something big, you just don't know what's going to happen. And I hurt ourselves for about six months till we figured out, you know, A, till everyone bought into what it was, 
why it was a good thing. And we've done nothing but go up since then. So it's a totally different way to sell a car. I would never go back to negotiating. I'm a 30-year veteran. <laughs> You're done with that that idea, huh? I don't have the patience for it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's cat and mouse games. Yep. And, Jordan, that's the, the, the idea, the word games – is why we all fear or hate having to go through the uh, process, traditional process, I should say, of uh, car buying or car shopping is the games. You being in the industry 10-plus years yourself, how have you seen Promise Price change that aspect where the games are all but eliminated? Um, I've loved it. Uh, I mean, from the time that Jeff brought the idea up, I was definitely a little hesitant about it just because I had been doing things the other way for, gosh, it was April 15 that we went to it. So I'd been doing it for like seven years the other way. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I was a little bit afraid of, you know, how certain customers that wanted that, you know, the, the their desire to win, so to speak, uh, taken away. But it forces you as a, as a product specialist to really – shift your focus from, okay, I'm going to sell the car that benefits me the most, which is kind of odd. It, I mean, it's a really, you're at odds of what the customer wants, right? With that scenario right. where, um, you know, a one price store uh, or promise pricing, as we call it, it changes your focus as a salesperson to really diving deep on like what the customer uh, is going to use the car for. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you'll make suggestions that the customer doesn't necessarily expect that fits their needs better. So I actually feel like since we've done that, my customers are definitely happier because we can really just focus on making the process completely about them. You know, it's not, it's not about what, you know, what cars the going to make the salesperson the most money because we're not paid that way anymore, which is great. I wish everything was promised price because Gentlemen, yeah. I, I, I went through the process of uh, buying a new home last late last year. And when you get in there for the first time and you finally find the area you want to live in and you think you find a home that's within your budget and in the market that you're looking for, and you're like, you're really excited about it, and then you find out, oh, well, actually, then when you add in property tax and when you add in insurance and when you yeah. add in the fact that you need new carpet in the thing, and then suddenly you're 10, 15, 20,000 more into it and you're like wait hold on that that is not what i expected or even worse <laughs> this is an, a, a weird thing but my wife is going to need a surgery coming up here in a few months and we're trying to calculate and get a guesstimate of how much we're going to have to pay out of pocket and there's just no it's it's a shot in the dark and it's like all right uh when would be a good month to when would be the best month to really gamble our finances and have her have this surgery because no one can tell us, okay, it's going to be this exact amount of money. But when I look on Mark Miller Subaru, Southtown.com, and Midtown, you've got the promised price includes tax, title, license, and fees. The number is no, right there, and it's not going to change. No, tax, titles, and fees are extra. The lease payments include all that. The leases. What did I say? The leases. Yeah, not the not the price out there is the sell price plus tax titles and fees. Yeah, but the the leases, the lease numbers include those. Yeah, they're based on Salt Lake County sales yeah. tax. And that's and that's you know I'm looking at it from a standpoint of someone who has converted to being a lease guy only uh, because of the doing this show, and so that's where I, I was looking at it. And 
But yeah. uh, to be able to know, okay, it's going to be this much money every month for the lifetime of this lease, I can budget that in and know that it's not going to change when I get down to your place and uh, start talking to people like you, Jordan. How have you seen people react to that? Uh, definitely. I mean, with the lease, it's just so straightforward. People are, when they come in to like, you know, sit down and go over numbers, they think it's going to be a long drawn out process, but it's, it's the fastest part of the process. The vehicle selection is the longer part. You know, that's, that's really the longest part is figuring out what they want, you know, color wise and those type of things. But I mean, the numbers process is oftentimes five to 10 minutes, you know, that's that's the been the big shift because you could spend upwards of three hours, uh, you know, going back and forth over price and not only the price of the car but also the price of the trade. That's what a lot of people don't think about. You know, because of our promise pricing, we do the same thing with with trades where we don't take a valuation of the car and then back off the number five hundred or a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars um, to allow for you know quote unquote negotiation on their trade as well because. That's why the traditional advice is, you know, don't bring up your trade until after you've negotiated the deal. Um, here, that's not going to change anything. You know, pro- no. the, the trade value is the trade value. It's based on the market. You know, it's not based on, you know, our feelings. It's based on, hey, here's the, the market data and this is what the car's worth. It's worth what it's worth. So it's very straightforward as well. Jordan, I also want to ask you about, because since we're talking about leasing or buying, uh, I, like I just said a moment ago, we're, we are coming up on the end of our three-year lease on our Crosstrek, and it has just been the best financial decision we've, we've ever made to have a top-of-the-line, state-of-the-art vehicle, and with the, especially the safety features uh, the, at the price that we get it because we're leasing. It's it's really good decision for us. But it's mm-hmm. not always the best decision for everybody, is it? How do you approach uh, educating your customers on who might have a, a negative idea about leasing? If you if you have a customer that comes in and they are a never lease person, but you're looking at their financials and going, well, it might actually work out better for you. How do you approach educating them on that subject? Yeah, um, the real advantage that you already kind of touched on is the idea of a fixed cost that you know, right. That it's a, it's a known quantity leasing a vehicle for three years. If you're doing a 12,000 mile a year lease, you're three years, 36,000 in. So you're under warranty that whole period of time. So you're not coming up with any out-of-pocket expenses for repairs that are unknown, right? Cause any vehicle, you know, it doesn't matter who makes it, you know, it could be the most reliable vehicle. There's still, there's still a machine at the end of the day and they could still malfunction. So, you know, on a car that, you know, you might be just that unlucky person and it has a $3,000 repair bill, you know, 41,000 miles um, on a traditional purchase, all of a sudden now you've got to come up with that money instead of your monthly payment. You know, it's just, it's that much more predictable. Um, It makes your life that much less stressful because you already know what you're budgeting. Um, And because of our, the way we price our vehicles, um, we also include the maintenance plan for you. So that's free for the first two years, 24,000 miles. There's not even the cost of maintenance for the first couple of years in most cases. Hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's been a big That's one. why leasing is just, people don't think that, uh, you know, they think, oh, I'm renting the car. Um, 
But I mean, they don't think of depreciation when they're buying a car, but you've always got to think of depreciation. It's always a factor, right? If, if somebody has a car and then it gets totaled, even if they plan to keep it for 10 years, now that car's taken away and they're only going to get from their insurance company what the car's worth on the open market. Hmm. So it, it does matter what your car's resale value is always because, you know, you don't control if someone runs into you and totals your car. That's sort of out of your control. Mm-hmm. Yep, well, Does that so, answer your question? Did, did you want me to go into more detail on <laughs> no, leasing? No, we're, we're all right there. Because I think there's a lot of our audience who hears uh, people like Dave Ramsey say, never, never lease a vehicle. And it's like, well, hold on a second. That's not, you can't just cookie cutter every person's situation into, right. the, every, every, into the same rules all the time. Because, yeah, yeah if, you, if you drive for a living and, and your commute is so much that you, you don't want to have a lease, then that makes sense. But if, you're, yeah. if one of your vehicles at home is not driving beyond 10, 15,000 miles a year, why not get the top of the line stuff at an affordable price per month? And then when that three years or whatever is up, you're into the next top of the line thing at an affordable so- price. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with leasing, the biggest negative that you hear from people is, A, you don't own it. B, that, you know, if I go over on the miles, I'm going to I'm gonna owe money on it. The trick is to gather enough information from the individual and tailor that lease to the miles that they actually drive so that, you know, you don't put them in the wrong situation for years from now. Yeah, and you can do more than 15,000 yeah. miles a year on a lease. Um, oftentimes it'll still make sense to lease up to about 20,000 miles per year. Hmm. Um, and then the numbers start kind of tipping in favor of a purchase. Mm-hmm. So, but that's, that's why we do a lot of, you know, fact finding at the beginning going, okay, well, where are you driving? And, you know, we'll do a rough calculation and then add in for, you know, miscellaneous trips or, you know, unexpected, you know, emergencies or things like that. Well, before we uh, thank you for joining us, uh, Jordan, and before we take a break, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on the the Mark Miller family and, and Jeff Miller. And this, I am so impressed that there have not been any layoffs uh, during this time uh, in the Mark Miller Subaru uh, family. I, and just the idea that they take such good care of their employees, what does that say about how, does that inspire you to take just as good, if not better, care of your customers? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's there is no question. I mean, through this whole thing, I mean, I've I've always been proud to work here, but just seeing the way that Jeff um, values each and every person who works here. I mean, that speaks volumes about how much he cares about not only us, but the community, because, you know, obviously we're all part of the community and, you know, keeping us employed is is less strain on the economy. Right. And we're you know, he went through all the work to to get the PPP loan that, uh, you know, the government provided and help keep everyone paid at their average level um, for salespeople. It was like over the last six months before this. Hmm. So it removed that stress for us of going, well, how are we going to provide for ourselves and our families um, just to get by through this whole situation? And that's not the norm in the auto industry. The auto industry as a whole, I mean, I know locally a lot of places laid a massive number of people off. And didn't, you know, even if they could qualify, you know, they didn't want to take all that effort to go and do that because they, you know, they were worried about their legal responsibility at the end and paying it back. And like, what if they were liable? And Jeff was like, 
just he dove head first. He's like, I'm going to take care of my people here. And that, I mean, when I talk to my my customers, you know, I, I let them know that I'm proud to work here because he cares about us so that we can care about our customers, right? I know that if something goes wrong for a customer, you know, we're here to back the customer up. Like I can comfortably say, we are here for you. We're not here for profit first. We're here for the customer first. And profit is just a, a part of the equation that comes with helping customers, you know, through their things and making them happy. Yeah. Well said. Well, uh, before we, we let you go, if 2020 were a year, Jordan Rock, or excuse me, it is a year. If 2020 were a car, what kind of car would it be and why? Did you ever uh, have a lemon that you drove in your days? Ooh, uh, that's a great question. You know, I've been pretty fortunate in that regard. Uh, and I didn't even know what the, the two cars that you mentioned. Yeah, I, I don't even know what those are. I, I thought I was a car guy, but apparently I'm not. Um, you yeah. go. It's a Hugo. That's what I'm familiar with. But, uh, you know, I've been I've been pretty fortunate there. I, so I have no idea what car yeah. 2020 would be if, yeah. if it were a car. I just don't. I've been uh, kind of insulated from that. I, I know the, the PC Cruiser wasn't, you know, always a great car. That's kind of what it makes me think of. <laughs> I've got a friend that had one of those that never seemed to see the end of problems. So. Yeah. Yeah, I was in a PT Cruiser, brand new PT Cruiser, about I want to say eight years ago, and uh, I couldn't have the I couldn't have a conversation with the driver uh, next to me uh, without having to raise my voice. It was so loud. There was no yeah. no uh, soundproofing inside that PT Cruiser. But <laughs> anyhow, thanks for joining us, Jordan. Really nice of you. We know uh, yeah. it's busy, and we got to get you back out there, but we appreciate it. Yep, happy to do it. All right, Roger, we'll come back on the other side. we got to talk about some uh, other news and notes in the world of the car industry, including a big-time American manufacturer that is reevaluating how they conduct their day-to-day, quote-unquote, pencil-pushing side of the business and how uh, the coronavirus might change that permanently. We'll talk about that and more next here on Utah Car Sense. Welcome back, Utah Car Sense, presented by Mark Miller Subaru. I'm Austin Horton here. Eric Jensen producing for us today. Roger Parkin, sales manager of of the Southtown store. Whew. <laughs> almost went back five years. Or yeah, all, long he almost put me back two years. <laughs> two back years, yeah. Well, uh, and yeah. that's because our good friend Pete uh, would stop by in the break to say hi, and that that sent me back a few years. Uh, that did it threw you right to the old old setup. <laughs> so uh, go on and see the the guys and gals down at uh, the Southtown store at Midtown as well. Now, uh, Roger, we're asking people if 2020 were a uh, car, what kind of car would it be and why? And we've had a few uh, interesting responses on the social media side of the show. To that end, to that question, Connor says a Geo Metro. It still <laughs> it still moves forward, but man, and then he just ends it there. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, it's, and that's yeah. so far 2020. It's still moving forward, but it's uh. kind of like we don't want. We we would rather not. We'd rather get out at this point and walk the rest of the way than then go forward in the geo metro now mark agrees with you 
and says the Edsel. But, my, you know, the, <laughs> I like the look of the Edsel. I think it's a classy it, look. It's just not. It just never went anywhere. Yeah. It, it was a complete failure. Why do you think that was? So, you know, who knows? I mean, you, you look back in the history of the car business. I mean, it's evolved so much and tastes have changed all the time. Who knows why it failed? But it was a flop. Hmm. Uh, and I did not know it was named after Henry Ford's only son. That I didn't know either. His son, Edsel Ford, is who <laughs> it was named after. He goes anyway. down in infamy. Yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, in fact, they, the advertising agency for Ford sent in 18,000 suggestions for the name of the car. But Ford stepped wow. in and said, no, we're going to name it after my son. And so that's that's what happened there. Interesting. Uh, can, you imagine, can you imagine looking through 18,000 names for anything? No. It's, when we, you might as well just toss it. You might as well hang it on the wall and toss a dart. Right. If I can't. We, my wife and I, uh, when we went through picking the name for our, our little girl, we, we never agree on anything uh, when it comes to where we want to eat, <laughs> what color to paint yep. the house. Well, you know, what what do we want leather or, or upholster or, or cloth or whatever? We never agree on uh-huh. anything. We have to compromise. And we thought, okay, right. this is going to be a disaster to try and pick a name that we both like. And so what we did is we had every anytime we heard a name or found a name that we liked, we put it on a list that we both shared on an app, and if one liked it or or if one didn't like it, you just crossed it off and moved on. But mm-hmm. even then, we ended up looking probably over close to 100 names. And after about wow. thirty, I was like, "Oh, whatever. Just, just give her a number. Just pick a name. Yeah, pick a name." <laughs> <laughs> but we ended up getting a but eighteen thousand. There's not. There's no way you could sit there and go over eighteen thousand oh, no names. It doesn't make any sense. I know. My, I know my uh, my daughter. We had a name picked for her till the day she was born. I changed it in the really? uh, delivery room. <laughs> Why? What, what inspired the change? Because she didn't look like the name we had chosen for. Ah. She didn't look like a, a George, huh? She no, she didn't look like a George or Georgiana. <laughs> no, she she was a four four pounds and eight ounces when she was born, and wow, she looked like a little Ash to me. She became Ashley. <laughs> <You know? laughs> what do you I remember? Didn't my, I didn't ask my ex wife if that was okay. I was just like, okay, her name's this. <laughs> really? Yeah. You changed the name without approval I, of the mother. I, Probably the only thing I got done without approval. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is gutsy. That is well, you know. <laughs> uh, did you ever watch Mr. Bean? The Mr. Bean videos? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. There's a classic him... uh, running theme in those shows where he's looking for a parking spot and always pushes the same light blue car out of the spot so that he can take the spot. <laughs> and Tyler sends in that car. I'd never known the name of this car. It's a it's a three wheel vehicle. Uh, it, it, mm-hmm. it looks like it kind of looks like a, a a Pinto, but it's got the one wheel in the front, two wheels in the back. They're called a Robin. Uh, I didn't know that. And that that pretty much does match how I feel about the year twenty twenty so far. <laughs> Just not yeah, quite if, there. If what, yeah. Yeah, if one wheel is missing on that, that would be perfect because that's 2020. Yes, it's just teetering, teetering on the brake. We just don't know which way it's going to fall. Yeah, it's a it's a via, it's a car, but with motorcycle setup on the wheels. That's, yes, <laughs> that was the case there. So let us know. You can call in eight five five three four zero zone eight five five three four zero zone. What car would 2020 be represented by, and why? 
Before we took a break, Roger, I told you that one American manufacturer is reevaluating how much office space it needs for their white collar workers in their of their company, and that is Ford. This from really? Automotive News. Ford is looking at just how much space they no longer are going to need for those, uh, like I said, white collar and financial arm employees of the of the business who they feel can work remotely forever going forward, and that they've learned about through the spread and, and pandemic here of COVID nineteen. Ford mm-hmm. brought back twelve hundred or twelve thousand salaried employees last month, and others have been told they can work from home until September. Given potential workplace changes caused by the outbreak, a facility consolidation the number two U.S. automaker had already launched could accelerate. Uh, wow. Spokesperson for Ford, Marissa Bradley, said, "If we know we are going to have a smaller population that's going to come back to work, we could look at maybe shrinking our footprint." Ford. COO Jim Farley said many salaried employees can work from home and the company could eliminate offices. The shutdown is, quote, really an opportunity to redesign how we do work, close quote. So uh, Ford, among one of those uh, companies who has really seen some benefit of uh, allowing their their employees to work remotely, I, I, I haven't had too much experience throughout this pandemic of remote work. I have, uh, from time to time, recorded my podcast at home, uh, and obviously uh, doing our our meetings instead of in person. Now we do it over Zoom, right? But I still have been coming to work every day, it literally, it physically into the office, as have uh, as as you have, Roger. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have yeah. heard from a lot of people that say, uh, even in our company, that are part of the marketing team or advertising that say you know it makes it just makes it a lot more convenient to not have to drive in to the office for a 30 minute meeting and then drive oh, back yeah. out and continue work they can do it over over the internet now it's pretty and you and I right now are doing this show or over the internet yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm sitting in an office off our serving floor watching uh watching everybody do their thing out there so what do you think is, uh, the in- auto industry overall? How how it will change? Because obviously they're talking about uh, well, Ford. They're talking about the business side, but you can't really go- do it completely remotely because you got to have people come in for test drives and whatever. No, you, you you can do it completely remotely. It's it's the exception rather than the rule, but we are doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, we will schedule test drives at people's homes. We can do everything via. Pretty much everything via the internet. There's some forms that we need to have signed in person, but we can do that at the people's homes. And uh, we have software out there that we can, you know, go over all the financing, show them everything, show them you know, extended service contracts, other products that we offer that are, you know, bring benefit and value to the car or to the customer. And um, we can do all that remotely. It's not as easy as in person, but the other thing, in person, we're masked up, so I mean that takes away a lot of the facial expressions. You know, it's been a it's been an interesting learning curve for all of our business managers and our and our product specialists with them being masked up and developing that trust because so much of it is you read people's expressions, like we talked about uh, off the air. Mm-hmm. You know, you can say something sarcastically face to face, and people understand that. Say it covered up. Say it, you know, via remote like we're doing right now you just don't know how to take some things Mm -hmm. so it's been an interesting learning experience 
I think what we'll see come out of this is more purchasing, more of the more of the process done online, so that people spend less time here. Um, you know, speeds up the process. And with Promise Price, really, it's about as fast as you can go and and do it. The biggest hang up is like anything you've closed on a house. There's forms you got to sign that the government requires you to sign. It takes a minute. Yeah, right. So. Well, uh, I, I do think that uh, there will be changes across the board uh, in any industry that uh, will be beneficial to, as as the Ford spokesperson said, the reducing of the footprint. But overall, I think people are anxious and excited for that day when they get to actually go back to work, wouldn't you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I know uh, for me, we were for a month and a half, we we're working three week, three, you know, three days a week, so every other day and taking a day off and trying to work from home, which is, it's difficult. I've, I found it difficult. My wife has been working from home for three months and that's just, she works actually, she has definitely more productive working from home. Is she? <laughs> yeah. And you guys don't have what? little kids running around at your place. No, no, no little kids. Just, uh, just dogs. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, because I, I, all my friends that are working remotely from home and their kids, obviously, not being able to be in mm-hmm. school or at home. And that I has been, I can't, I just imagine how much stress and strain that must just oh, add to this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, we have a friend working from home and they have three kids, 16, 14, and seven, six, seven. And they're all trying to get them to do schooling. And they're trying to do the work. It's it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a tough thing. My, Definitely stressful. My neighbor has more or less turned into a graveyard shift worker uh, as he's been yeah. working from home because he finds he can't get anything done or accomplished until the household is asleep, and so then he goes mm-hmm. to work. And so he's he's a he's a bit of a, a a night owl these days. But then he can't really sleep in the day because the kids are up. And needing to do stuff. So sounds like going to college for me. <laughs> <laughs> a couple hours a night was oh, that was man. it for three years, man. Those were the days, weren't they? I I can't I can't function if I don't get at least five hours of sleep now. And I used to go days, days without sleeping a wink, and right. it felt just fine. It's amazing. I've never I've never been a days not sleeping a week, but for you know a long time in my life. Three, four hours max, a couple hours, you know, it was fine. Yeah. Uh, uh, Volkswagen. Those days are gone. <laughs> yeah, long gone. You you, you are the person I know that once the movie starts, your your eyes close. So um, It does happen. <laughs> I, I'm guilty. If it's a late show and I've been busy all day, especially in the reclining chairs out there. Oh, yeah. If it's not holding my interest, I'm out. I have been punched by more than... One person stops snoring. <laughs> Strangers in the theater days, yes. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Now it's, just, now it's just the wife on the recliner next week. <laughs> Go to bed. <laughs> well, a, a, as bad as the year 2020 has been, Volkswagen got a start, a head start on uh, the bad year last year, two years ago. Yep. When did this whole thing start with Volkswagen? Was it two years ago, three years ago? It's been, it's been almost, it's been a. Well, the whole thing started decades ago, but right. when they got caught was two two years ago. Wow, time flies. Two two and a half. Yeah. Well, they've been they've, in, re- they've recovered nicely from it. They have surprisingly. They have, but now they're starting to see some of the, the all those fines that they paid. It's not like they're hurting, 
Uh, they're the still the richest. I think they're still the richest or most lucrative vehicle company in the world. I don't think that's true. Oh, they're not. I thought that they. I uh, don't think so. I, I think Toyota's way more. Who is Toyota? Are, are, how are you defining lucrative? Cash on hand or value of value of the brand is is more what I, I don't think, think that's of. right. So let's see, richest uh, car brand. Uh, the Toyota. You're right. Toyota's Volkswagen is second at the top. Yeah, Toyota. Oh wow, Toyota by a long shot. Two hundred two hundred eleven billion for Toyota, but Volkswagen is second at eighty billion uh, worth. Okay, so so Toyota's first. Oh yeah, by a long shot. Yeah, it's, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, over over double uh, the mm-hmm. end value. But uh, Volkswagen is 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 not hurting for money no. yet. They're considering more cost cuts to help cope with the economic impact of the coronavirus spokesman or uh, pandemic, rather, a spokesman said today. <laughs> this, this commercial brought this program brought to you by the pandemic spokesman. <laughs> uh, the issue was recently discussed at an internal event when asked about a report in Automobile Volsch, a sister publication of Automotive News Europe. There were general deliberations about what further cost measures could be taken to respond to the pandemic, but there are no concrete decisions yet. Automobile Volsch quoted Volkswagen CEO Herbert Dies as telling top managers at a meeting on Thursday they must significantly cut R&D expenditure, investments, and fixed costs compared with the previous planning. The group's net liquidity would continue to decline at least until July due to weak demand. Uh, the magazine citing participants at the event quoted Deesis saying, this meant the main VW passenger car brand must reduce its so-called material overheads by 20% in order to keep matching their financial goals month over month. How big of a deal yeah. does that sound like it is to you there, Roger? Well, it sends off a lot of warning signals to me. Yeah. You know, you, you cut your R&D. I mean, I'm talking from a retailer point of view. Sure. If the if the company I've got all this money invested in facilities and tools and people suddenly cut all the research and development, you're not going to be competitive long term hmm. at all, especially in this day and age with the advances and all the safety features. I mean, these cars are changing to a certain degree yearly. The safety features of them, of them are getting better, and that comes from R and D. Yeah, and designing a car is a long term. I mean, they're we just got out the new Outback, and I'm sure they're already designing for the next generation. You know, it's not a quick process. It's it's years. Yeah. So that would frighten me as a Volkswagen dealer. The other thing, to cut out 20%, it's, you'd have to see where they're cutting that 20%. I mean, if they've got that much fat in their support staff, that's one thing. I don't know. I think I think companies do tend to get bloated as they grow and they're profitable. They don't watch expenses as much, but twenty percent is a lot of bloat. Mm. The the R and D thing is interesting because uh, at least my mind initially when I hear R and D being cut, I automatically go to the aesthetics of a car, which mm-hmm. it reminds me of what my college roommate used to say about uh, dating. He would say, "Looks yep. looks attract, but brains sell." And, and I think that that is really wise, uh, and I think it applies here. When you start cutting R and D, yeah, you may you may still be able to get by with a couple tweaks to the look of a car now and then. But when the brains start getting behind the uh, the competitors and mm-hmm. the looks of the car start to stagnate, 
then yeah, you're going to fall off quick because everyone else is continuing to move forward. I don't. I'm with you. I'm not sure that R and D would be our, where I'd be looking right now to cut costs. I mean, I get that. I get the reasoning behind it because it's a quick way to lop off a bunch of costs. Not really apparent. For the long term, it's a terrible, terrible thing. For the long term, yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, out of and, and unfortunately, when we're, when we're serving stockholders and stuff, it's the short term that they're looking at most of the time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, also, news out of Frankfurt: the German government said it will require gasoline stations to offer electric car charging to help ease buyers' concerns about range and support demand for EVs as part of a 130 billion euro economic recovery plan. The move could provide a significant boost to EV demand as part of a broader coronavirus stimulus plan, which includes taxes to penalize ownership of large polluting combustion engine cars such as SUVs, and a €6,000 subsidy toward the cost of an electric vehicle. Uh, I like the idea, uh, and this is I've shared this with you before, Roger. My, my hesitancy on electric vehicles is mostly about range. Uh, I, right. I, I, I want to get a better range and reliability out of the EV before I dive uh, fully into a, a completely electric vehicle. Uh, so I like the idea of offering and, and making them offer uh, uh, its charging stations at the gas station. I don't know how I feel about penalizing those that either can't afford or just simply don't want to be an electric vehicle owner. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that, but I see the the environmental side to that decision, certainly. Yes, and I mean, yeah. I, I understand that. The other question is, so you make all these gas station owners put in charging stations. Are they allowing them to charge people for charging like they do for gas? Yeah, that's a good question. It, does, it doesn't say. I would assume that you have to pay. It's not a free charge. I would assume so. Because well, if you're going to make a business would... <laughs> owner, if you're going to make a business owner spend that kind of money and put in the charging station, they still have to right. run a business, right? So. Exactly, unless unless it's totally subsidized by the government. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. there there's a lot of. Uh, I think you know, totally electric vehicles really sexy. You could argue whether it's better for the environment or worse. I mean, you got, you got to look at the whole supply chain. You know, what goes in the batteries? How do they dispose of the batteries when they're bad? How long do they last? Um, it certainly cuts down air pollution. In theory, <laughs> you mm. know, it's, yeah, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts that I think. My personal opinion of the plug the plug in hybrids make more sense here in the West because they do have that range because you do have a gas motor. I know Jeff had he just picked up a uh, I think it's been two months ago now he picked up another uh, a new hybrid plug in hybrid cross track. And uh, he's trying to see how far he can go before he has to gas it. <laughs> well, he was doing now, well with the first one he had. That's for sure. Yeah. At, at 500 miles on this new one, he had used an eighth of a tank of fuel. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that is silly. But, but it goes to most of his driving. His Most of his driving is from his house to the dealerships. Now it's yeah. closer than, you know, you can go fully electric. I think it is 17 miles and up to 60 miles an hour. And, you know, most of his driving is under those conditions. So he doesn't use a lot of gas. 
and he plugs in both dealerships, which have huge solar arrays on top, and away you go. Yeah. Now, so. now, uh, I, I think you'll probably get this uh, this uh, trivia question correct on this subject. I got it wrong, but I'm thinking you'll get it right. Are there more diesel or gasoline powered vehicles in Germany? Would you say diesel? You got it wrong too. I don't feel as really? silly. A diesel is thirty-two huh. percent uh, of the the vehicle. And oh, you know what? I think I presented the question wrong. So you might be. We might be right overall. This says <laughs> this says new passenger car registrations last year. So that that okay. changes it completely. So, but it is interesting to note that last year, uh, gasoline. Gasoline was 59% registrations, diesel was 32%, wow. and electric cars made up only 1.8% of new passenger car registrations in Germany last year. Interesting. But that's up in just May from 1.8% last year. This May it was 3.3% of all sales mm. were electric cars in Germany. And so you could see why the government might start to say is starting to say okay we need to start putting in some infrastructure here but it doesn't that's that's the trick it doesn't you just hit the nail right on the head it doesn't note though whether or not this stimulus plan is uh is completely providing these machines for these businesses or subsidizing the cost for these businesses to put it in it doesn't specify that and i i don't know if i owned a gas station and 59% of my customers bought a gas-powered vehicle last year, and 1% of my customers bought an electric vehicle last year, I'd be pretty perturbed if the government's coming in and telling me I have to pay for uh, new infrastructure at my business that I'm not going to make money off of. Yep. No, I don't disagree with that at all. It's, you know, I've been over to Europe twice, and both I've been to Switzerland, I've been to uh, Italy, and and everything I saw over there was – diesel every vehicle we rode in was diesel over there it seemed like yeah but, well there we go a couple a uh, couple news and notes there uh coming up yeah. uh we've got some good news for the ford bronco fans out there we have mm-hmm. uh good news about uh, a, a batman batmobile that uh is ah. gonna get people excited and also, we got to talk about my experience over the last couple of days in the 2020 Forester and how uh, I'm in love with that vehicle. And Roger's going to have to talk me out of not buying it uh, because I'm going to buy it. So we'll talk about that and more coming up next here on Utah Car Sense. <laughs>